Um, I just wanted to say a word before we, before we get rolling into the Living and Community course material. Uh, first of all, there's uh, some outlines over here. Uh, there's a couple of the documents that go along with that. So please grab one, <clears throat> take notes. Uh, it would actually be helpful if you would bring these with you next time. Uh, we can certainly reprint the stuff that's in there, but uh, if you wouldn't mind bringing it with you, that would help. Probably won't make copies for everyone. Uh, but I just wanted to say a few words of preface that hopefully will bring some clarity as we start this next year. Uh, when we met back in May, uh, we shared that there were some things that the community is working through, some uh, questions, most principally, uh, I would say, is the, the connection of HRCC with the Sword of the Spirit. Um, and then in addition to, along with that, there's some questions about... Uh, hey, Damatos, come on in. <clears throat> uh, some questions about authority and questions about community leadership, women's roles within the community, our pattern of life. And I just want to acknowledge that these are really important questions. And depending on the answer to the, the first thing that I mentioned about affiliation with the sort of the spirit, uh, these particular items uh, could look somewhat different. So that's a reality that we're in right now. And so we're going through a process to engage concerns and enter into dialogue with the goal of this interim period. One of the main goals out of it is to have a decision made on affiliating with the Sword of the Spirit or not. Uh, so that's the main, uh, that's one main outcome. And with this as the current reality, it's understandable that there would be some concern from you all about discernment of uh, the community with unknowns uh, that I just mentioned. So uh, that's, that's a truth, so I, I recognize that. Um, and on the other hand, we didn't believe that it was fair to you to just put on hold the underway process indefinitely until an answer was made uh, on affiliation with the Sword of the Spirit. Um, we certainly don't want that to go on forever, and it won't go on forever, uh, but we didn't feel that it was fair to you to just say, all right, everything stops, we're just going to stare at each other and have conversations, and then we're going to come up with what we're going to do from here, and then we'll start the underway process back up again. So I hope that that's, there's at least an understanding there of, uh, on one hand, we certainly recognize that this is challenge and difficult to uh, discern when there are unknowns. But on the other hand, we didn't want to just stop everything uh, until a decision was made to move in one direction or another. So the living and community course that we're going to go through is based on the structures and the bylaws and the statutes that the community currently has in place. So we'll go into the course, uh, sure, with a sensitivity to 
were in the process of decisions and discussion and dialogue, uh, but the course is set up to follow the current structure of the community, the way that we have uh, things written out in our bylaws and our statutes. Um, as a covenant body, I believe that we're, uh, as, a, as a covenant body, encouraged to remain faithful to the Lord, faithful to the covenant that we've made. Right? We have a covenant. Actually have the covenant language in your packets. There is a covenant. It hasn't been put on hold or it's not, uh, you know, not there until we make these decisions. It is there. It's, it's, the words are right there. Um, so I hope that there's some comfort in that for you all, uh, that we have a covenant and we're going to be faithful to it and we're going to live by it. Um, so just again, recognizing the balance of keeping you all connected through this interim process for sure. Uh, but not letting the interim process completely derail the underway adventure that you are all on. <clears throat> Again, the fact is we have a leadership structure. We have a covenant body. We have statutes and bylaws and we have a covenant. And so that's what this course is going to be about. Um, if there are decisions made that uh, take us in one direction or another, then they'll take us in one direction or another. Uh, I'm not gonna, we're, we're not gonna make decisions based on what we don't know. Uh, we're gonna make decisions based on what's before us and what we do know. So I just wanted to say that as, as hopefully at least a, an encouragement that um, it's not our intent to just kind of put the brakes on everything uh, we're moving through a process right now, and we want all of you uh, to go through this Living a Community course to learn more about the current structure of the community. So I hope that that's helpful. Great. You took your heads yes, so I will say that's maybe helpful. Um, all right, so this is the final course in the initiations process. Uh, you began many years ago going through formation that was focused mainly on Christian living, right? It was, it was much more broad. It was general. It applied to uh, all of Christians, right? Emotions and uh, Christian personal relationships and uh, learning how to uh, relate with one another and the fruits of the Spirit, all of those courses, and then a couple years ago, uh, you started a course, patterns of, or we started with a call and mission course first that looked bro really broadly at the Lord's call for uh, Heart of the Redeemer and its mission that the Lord has given to us. Uh, and then two years ago, we went through a pattern of life in community that looked at the main patterns of the community and the common way of life the Lord has called us to live. And this course is going to look more specifically at what the covenant of the community is. Uh, so what it means to public, 
publicly commit to the covenant. Uh, we're going to go through different topics like uh, the nature of our commitment, caring for and building up our life together. We'll have a teaching on the government and the authority of the community, peace and order in relationships, so how to maintain and foster peace and order, unity and disagreement, uh, so what happens in, in the community when people disagree, we're going to talk about that because it happens. Uh, what it means to enter into covenant, and then a uh, call to Christian unity. So that's a, that's a real broad overview of the whole of the Life uh, Living in Community course. And the key goal of this course is to help you understand the life and the mission and the structure of the community so that you know what you're discerning uh, in a public commitment. And again, as I said, uh, at this point, we're in a process of working some things out. There is no uh, definitive timeline on you know, a, when a public commitment would be made. That's really gonna be dependent upon you all and how you are all doing with where we're at as a community. We're not gonna force the issue by any means. There isn't gonna be, um, we wanna hear from you. Uh, and when the group is comfortable and ready uh, for those that are called to move forward, we'll do so. So I hope that that is helpful. Uh, we're going to talk in this teaching in particular about our covenant commitment. And there are going to be some big picture thoughts tonight. Right? I don't do super well with big picture thoughts. So stick with me here. Uh, but they're really important big picture thoughts because if we don't come to know these truths about our covenant and who we are in the Lord and what our call is in community, it's going to be really hard to discern our way of life. So we fancy ourselves as a covenant community. So we'll talk about the word covenant for just a minute. Covenant has to do with an agreement that people make with one another at its basic level. In the scriptures, covenant is presented as a joining or a binding of lives together, a set of promises made that form the basis for a life together. <clears throat> a simple example of this in our own lives as married couples would be a marriage covenant, that this covenant is uh, at its core two people making a set of promises to one another that forms the basis of their marriage, right? A promise to be true in good times and in bad and sickness and in health. A promise to love and honor for all the days of one's life. Right? These are promises. These are uh, voluntary. We enter into it voluntarily and we make promises to our spouse to live a certain way. Covenants are made to bind lives together. In the beginning of the covenant community movement, uh, there were, and this is probably actually before they knew what covenant communities were, uh, but the Lord spoke a word to uh, those gathered as they were praying and they were in relationship with one another about covenanting themselves to the Lord and to one another. And over the course of time, they 
came to a basic understanding of covenant and what, in fact, God was calling them to, that the Lord was calling them to join their lives together as a means to holiness. The act of, hey, Darnells, uh, there's some outlines up here. Good to see you. You're fine. Uh, the act of joining their lives together while in and of, them, in and of itself is a blessing, because it is, uh, it's actually a means through which the Lord brings about long-term transformation and growth and holiness in us. Uh, it's one of the ways that he can do that. And today, even more than ever, the idea of joining lives together, knowing a set of people and being known by them, steadfastly and faithfully living relationship with brothers and sisters is not common, particularly in our culture. The Lord's call to covenant with him and with one another is a response to this culture shift uh, and maybe even the Lord was out in front of it, right? He can do that because he's the Lord. Because loose promises and loose commitments to one another don't foster life, there's many opportunities and, and many really good opportunities for loose commitment to be loosely joined to others in service groups or prayer groups, participating in kids' activities, professional organizations, work, any number of things. And my experience of these types of groups is that they, they're functional. Right? We get together and we do this thing. And that can be wonderful. And that can be needed. And they can serve a real purpose in our life. But consistently and over the long term, they don't necessarily draw me closer to the Lord, right? We're together for a, a time, and then we go our own ways. I don't feel particularly known, and I don't feel like I particularly know uh, the people in these kind of loose commitments that I'm involved with. So again, they can be helpful for a time, but what we're talking about here is long-term faithfulness, commitment to one another as a means to bring about holiness. So the Lord's call to Heart of the Redeemer covenant community is to firm promises that are entered into in freedom, the actual joining of lives together, covenanting ourselves together for the sake of love, for the sake of giving our lives away, and for the sake of holiness. So I'll just start by uh, looking at how our covenant commitment is described in our mission statement. So you'll see on the second page, you turn to that. Uh, there's a mission, mission statement. It's about halfway down. It says, we believe that our Lord has called us to join our lives together so that we can enter more deeply into the meaning of our baptismal identity. There's a lot there. Uh, we're just going to focus on 
that word identity for just a minute. It's a rather hot topic these days. There's a lot of talk about identity and who we identify with, who we identify as. So a lot of focus on identity, but I I think based on the moral decline that we experience in the culture around us, it's probably fair to say that I'm not sure that that's really getting us anywhere. That somehow people in general are off base when they're talking about identity because they're trying to put their identity in things uh, that can't hold up. So questions like, who, who am I? This is the question. Who am I? So what, what, is it, what is it that we're getting at with this question? Our identity has to do with our individuality, that I am me and I'm not you. It has to do with something that's underlying within us, an underlying integrity, something that's constant within us, right? That's, that's not what you hear in the world today. We can identify as anything that we particularly feel like that morning, but that's actually not identity. Identity is something that's, that comes really from deep within us, just like we can look at pictures of ourselves at different stages of our life. We don't look really anything like we did uh, at all these different points in our life. Yet, at the core, who we are is the same person. So an understanding of our identity helps to begin to answer questions like, where did I come from and where am I headed? What's my origin? How did I come to be? Why am I here? How am I to live and what is my purpose? These are, these are core questions that all of us engage. And the answer that we have to these question questions directs the course of our life. Christianity is fundamentally concerned about answering these questions. The key to understanding our personal identity can only be found in Jesus Christ. It's only in discovering Christ that we begin to discover who we are and where we came from, and why we're here, and where our origin is, and where we're headed. So if our life in Christ is the only way to get at our personal identity, this helps shed light on our baptismal identity that we just mentioned. So baptism is the doorway through which we enter into a relationship with Christ. From the catechism, baptism is the basis of the whole of the Christian life. So we go back to that statement in the 
mission statement, we believe that our Lord has called us to join our lives together so that we can enter more deeply into the meaning of our baptismal identity. I'll just talk a little bit about baptismal identity. To be baptized into uh, is to identify with Christ. One of the realities of our baptism is to be a disciple. Scripture talks about our relationship with Christ as following him, as being his disciples. Many passages in the Gospels where Christ teaches us about what it means to be a disciple. From Matthew, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. From Luke's gospel, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Again from Luke, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will preserve it. And one more from John's gospel, I have given you a model to follow so that as I have done for you, you should also do. What do you think, uh, this is a question, what do you think is at the root of these passages? What is the Lord getting at in these passages about discipleship? What do you think? What else? What is what is the Lord getting at? These are hard um, sayings. Yes. And um, it just reminds me of you know, the, the, the person. Amen. They are. I think the challenge I hear is um, am I living for this world or the next? Do I really see the eternal uh, life God's called us to lead me to? Or do I find it all just here and now in my earthly life? Beautiful, right? Difficult. Scary, hard, beautiful. What the Lord is getting at, uh, in addition to your all thoughts, is uh, it's coming from the heart of the Father. 
if you stay close to me, if you live like me, if you act like me, if you do what I do, it's only then that you'll find the way that leads to peace and to fulfillment and to life itself. Right? It's not, the, it's not for the Lord's benefit that he gives us these commands of discipleship. They're, they're for us to receive and to struggle with and to make a response to. They're for us. So the Lord's call to discipleship is the way for us, brothers and sisters. There's no other way. Right? We believe that as Christians, that there isn't another way. And yet, it's still scary and hard and difficult. And if you're like me, you don't do great at it at times. But then there are other times when you do a little better. All right, another element of our baptismal identity is that we're baptized into Christ. From Romans, did you not know that you have been baptized into Christ? That the Lord in baptism doesn't just enclose or surround us. In our baptism, the Lord comes in and dwells within us. When we are baptized into the person of Jesus Christ, we are immersed or plunged into Christ and we're born anew. That we would become unto the Lord himself. By joining him, being immersed into him, his very life comes into us so that the life we live now is not our own, but it's his life. Immersion into the life of the Lord includes many dimensions, as you've experienced, as I've experienced in my own life. And some of those dimensions are much more pleasant than others. So when we talk about binding our lives together to enter more deeply into the meaning of our baptismal identity, this is what it is. An identity that's baptized into Christ. And then lastly, the reality of our baptismal identity is one that's corporate. When we enter into Christ, into his life, one of the things that we find is that we're not alone. From the catechism, baptism makes us members of the body of Christ. Therefore, we are members of one another. Baptism incorporates us into the church from the baptismal fonts is born the one people of God of the new covenant, which transcends all the natural or human limits of nations, cultures, races, races or sexes. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. So we don't get a relationship, just Jesus and me. When we're baptized into Christ, we also receive the Father and the Holy Spirit the fullness of the Trinity. Similarly, when we're baptized, we become members of the church with many brothers and sisters. So our life in Christ is a corporate life. <clears throat> His life comes to us in a corporate way, and it's meant to be lived out corporately. So our baptismal identity is expressed in being a disciple of Christ 
being baptized into him and entering into the corporate reality of the Lord. So back to the question of our identity. At the heart of it, we know that our, that our identity cannot be found in our career or our interests or our giftings or our relationships or in our marriages or in our children. That's not where identity is. What we are about in Heart of the Redeemer is living the reality that our identity is found in Christ Jesus. And again, we're here to be an encouragement to one another when we fail to live that way. Right? That's what it's about. And every activity that we attend, every relationship that we foster, every commitment that we keep is important because it helps us enter more deeply into this reality. All right, some key elements that make us a covenant uh, community. Uh, One of the key elements is that we have a covenant with one another. As disciples, there are two key questions that disciples need to answer. Whom will I love and with whom will I share my life? Across the board, with whom will I love and with whom will I share my life? Because we don't love in general or in abstract, but only in concrete and in personal ways. These people and this place. Right? The church as we know, is a voluntary organization. If we decide to leave the church tomorrow, the church can't do anything to us. It's voluntary. We can leave or we can come. Similarly, Heart of the Redeemer is a voluntary organization held together by the commitments that we make to one another. So our covenant is voluntary in that uh, we... We choose to give it. We choose to give to this covenant and say yes to it. And this covenant commitment, this commitment is not something that's done in addition to our being Catholics. It's a way of living out our life as Catholics, right? There's many beautiful ways to live out our Catholic faith. lay associations and committed parish life and for those that are called to religious life or third orders, all of these ways, including our way, have a particular place in the church. All of these ways are expressions that seek to answer the questions, whom will I love and with whom will I share my life? What the Lord asks of his disciples is the investment of our lives somewhere, binding our lives to others somewhere, laying our lives down for others somewhere. So our covenant commitment is a decision to join our lives together in this place with these people. Again, a voluntary commitment that's held together by the promises we make and the commitments that we keep. 
This is why we, we emphasize actually coming to the community's events, right? Because it's important that we're present to one another, that we prioritize the life of the community in our own lives, in our marriages, because it says something about its importance to us. This is important to me, and I'm going to prioritize it. We are brothers and sisters in Christ seeking to, weigh, uh, to live a way of life that encompasses uh, all, 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 all sorts of things, right? Small groups and social activities and uh, corporate prayer times, life within our own homes, outreach to those in our lives. Your discernment about making a covenant commitment is in part an act of faith, right? It's a response to the Lord's call. It's a response to the ways that the Lord has worked in your own life, a response to the people that the Lord has placed in your life. And uh, one of the things I hear a lot about in my line of work in engineering is, is risk. You know, what's the risk of making this decision or that or... Uh, what risk is involved with uh, this size of project or the role that you have in it. And brothers and sisters, discernment of anything involves risk. It's not safe. It's not meant to be comfortable or easy. It's meant to draw us closer to the Lord because there's unknowns about it, right? We don't know. We are putting ourselves out there through the commitments we make. Think of a young married couple, right? Expressing their promises to one another. If you put yourself in this category, uh, their vows are an act of faith and trust, but they don't know. They don't know what's going to come. They don't know what's coming their way. And Lord, thank you for that. Uh, the joys and the sorrows and the sufferings and the trials and the growth, right? We don't know. And that's an act of faith on our part to say, but Lord, you do know. And I believe that uh, you're calling me to be faithful to these commitments and these promises. So too, the discernment that's before you is an act of faith. So the commitment to enter more fully into the reality and meaning of our baptism is not unique to Heart of the Redeemer. Every Christian is called to this, right? However, one distinction for us is that we decide to do it together. We decide to do it together. And in this covenant, it's important that we stay close, we stay faithful to what we believe the Lord has called us to. The three calls in particular that the Lord has marked the broader covenant community movement, uh, and we want to remain faithful to those, those calls or those charisms, uh, charisms being a way in which God manifests himself 
or works in and through a person or a group of people. That's what we're talking about. So the three calls or charisms from our mission statement, uh, you hear it all the time, right? A community of disciples on mission. Three distinct calls, but not separate from one another, right? They're integrated with one another. Again, these calls aren't, they're not unique to us. We don't have the market on a community of disciples on mission. But we do have a particular call to live them out in a particular way. A call to holiness, uh, an awakening to the truth of the goodness and beauty of God. Right, to taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Responding to the Lord's call to holiness must be central to our way of life. Everything that we do, everything that we do, it must be central. Our corporate prayer times, our small groups, our social activities, our family life, our marriages, it must be central. We will get tired in the spiritual life And this is where the blessing of a covenant to be known by others and to know others comes into play. To be encouraged and inspired, to be called on and to be lifted up. Uh, And this is the Lord's gift to us, brothers and sisters. This is the Lord's gift to us. Uh, Where would I be in my life if I didn't have brothers and sisters that knew me and that I knew them and that would encourage me And I know that they're in my life for the long term, right? They're not in my life for a period and then they're gone, but they're in my life for the long term. The Lord's gift to us. Uh, The call to communion. Committed relationships witness to the world around us what life lived in Christ looks like. That's foundational for who we are as a people, that we're by the very fact that we're in committed relationships with one another, is a witness to the world. It's one of the ways in which the Lord uses this particular way of life to bless the church, uh, to bless the culture around us. There are, of course, some natural human dynamics at work here. Right? We want to hang around people that are like us, We want to hang around people who we enjoy being around. And I hope that that's been your experience of being in small group with a set of people. That said, that cannot be our only metric for gauging the presence of the Lord in this way of life. Because committed relationships, we know from our own experience, experience difficulty. And there are times when it's hard to relate to one another. But our covenant commitment is one that presses into those times. The key to being committed to one another is love for the brethren, serving one another and being Christ to one another. Not necessarily whether we like somebody or not. It's okay to like people, and we want to like one another, but that's not the basis. And then a call to mission. 
out of the blessing of the Lord in our own life and the fruitfulness that the Lord gives us when we live a life together, we want to share that with others. That they too could experience some of the life that we live. So we reach out to people and we invite them to encounter the Lord and experience the way of life that we experience. This was a call to mission, to proclaim the gospel. And again, in in our own lives, I think we realize that mission looks different at different seasons. Seasons of life where full-time evangelistic service is possible. Seasons of life where a primary, a primary responsibility in our mission is our children, right? And bringing them to know who the Lord is and investing in them. But in all seasons, looking for opportunities to relationally evangelize, get to know people, good work. Good spit up back there. Again, while certainly not unique to us, these three calls of discipleship and community and mission shape and form our life as a community. So it's vital that we understand and follow these particular calls uh, to, to remain faithful to the Lord. So just in closing, to live the call of all Christians which is to be a disciple of Christ, to live with other Christians, and to proclaim the gospel to all peoples. With a particular distinction for us, that we do this freely choosing to live and join our lives to a set of people in a particular place. Right? These people in this place. That our covenant commitment is a particular call, and it's not a call for everyone. Right? We know that. There's been people that have come into this life and experienced it. Maybe they've really been blessed by it. uh, And then they've moved on. That's great. I hope that it was a blessing to them. And I hope that they continue to be blessed by our life at different points in it. Those of you who make this covenant commitment as a response to the Lord will join with the rest of us covenant members and spend years and years and years trying to live out what the Lord has brought about here in the heart of the Redeemer covenant community. Uh, so that is, that's the big picture, right? The big picture of our covenant commitment, what we even mean by that, and what it, what it is we're talking about. We'll continue to move into different aspects of our life and our structure in the courses to come. Uh, But I hope that this provides you with a lot to reflect on. There's a lot here. Uh, What you have in front of you is, uh, in addition to the outline for today, is a mission statement. And then uh, after that is the covenant. I would encourage you to, to take this with you, to pray with it, to read through it, to discuss this uh, with those close to you, discuss this with your spouse. What strikes you about it? What concerns you about it? What 
inspires you about these documents. Amen. That's all I have. All right. Uh, it's a little before 7.30. If th are there any questions, any comments, anything that you heard tonight? Lori. I think you probably answered this, but I'm not hugely familiar with Sword in the Spirit. I know the general like mission that they have and they're across the country, but will we go into kind of like that in detail at any point, or should I just kind of, should I shift and go more towards like you would best be to talk more about that one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, well, because we're not affiliated officially with the Sword of the Spirit, we won't have there won't be a particular talk on that at this point. Um, but just like we did back, when did we do that? In June, I think, we had a, uh, a bit of an intro and it's our hope that we've got a couple more question and answer times just to give people more familiarity and opportunity to ask more questions that <clears throat> maybe they didn't get to answer, ask last time. Um, uh, so that's, that's that's one way. I think another way would be, um, you know, you certainly can, can, can ask people that might know a little bit more. Um, when we have people that come in, uh, there'll be folks that are going to come in uh, periodically throughout the year, and it would be great to ask them, right? The grosses are coming in town for our community conference. Ask them what their experience of uh, being a part of the Sword of the Spirit as members of, of Christ the Redeemer is. Okay, so Christ you know? the Redeemer is already affiliated with them? Yep. So they're a full member community in uh, Sword of the Spirit. So have they been the full time? Uh, they have been since probably 2003. Okay. Something like that. It took them a long time. Mm -hmm. um, it took so. them a long time. Yeah. yeah. They refer to it as the Troubles. <laughs> they had troubles. They do. They do. Do they have like a question and answer? I, I guess I, I don't know. By, by virtue of our, our, I mean, we came from the community of Christ the Redeemer. So it's, it's what you've been getting. So it's not, it's not, it's not a new thing. Uh, people may or may not be familiar with it. Um, I mean, talk to Joe D'Amato, for goodness sake. Joe grew up in a Sword of the Spirit community. You can talk to Joe. Kara Litsu grew up in a Sword of the Spirit community. You can talk to Kara. So a lot of points of contact. Amen. Oh, yeah.
All right. Including the covet, right? I mean, this is this verbatim pretty much from CCR's covet. It is. Yes. Um, we did change the name. There's a lot of reasons for that, John. Just ask it. You'll find a lot of that, actually. Um, mostly because um, uh, I am grateful to have much wisdom and experience that has gone before me, and I don't have to rely upon my own wit, uh, because I wouldn't get us very far. Yeah, I mean, so maybe you were getting at, there There would be, because we're not an affiliate right now, and we are looking uh, at the possibility of becoming one, there's, there's things that get put in place when you make that uh, initial commitment to the sort of the spirit. Um, so we'll, we would get into that at, a, at a, a later point, just in terms of what actually, what does that actually mean? Um, All right. Well, thank you, brothers and sisters.